Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Washington State coach Jake Dickert had a tweet the other day that caught my eye. He was tweeting about all the different youth sports events that he had to go to and intermixing the things he had to do for his work. He's joining us now. Uh, give us an idea of what that's like, even though most of us, a lot of us know it. Well, I appreciate you having me on, John. I think, first of all, you know, I, I like to call it a little bit. It's dad season, too, right? You know, we get a lot of coach season in this line of profession, and I got three kids. My daughter's 12, and the two boys are 9 and 7. And, you know, I got volleyball and choir with my daughter, and I got basketball and baseball rolling now. So it's just kind of a appreciation deal. I've always been a small-town guy. And just to understand, you know, Pullman and Washington State, it allows – you know, me to be both. And I think uh, it's just one of those appreciation tweets that shows that I really value that. And you can't put a monetary value on those type of things. To be able to go do those things while we're still recruiting and hosting guys is, is really important to me and the, the work-life balance that seems to be harder and harder as, as we kind of keep going through this coaching world. My three daughters, we got a volleyball player and we have a soccer player. And I got to tell you, I I miss being in the gyms. I enjoyed kind of yeah. being there and being a fan and getting to be a fan. I never get to be a fan. It was really cool for me. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where I had to remind my wife, too, the other day because she obviously shoulders the weight of the Dicker taxi service, right? Uh, right. But I just reminded her someday, you know, there won't be a practice to go to, right, as they keep going. So just a reminder to enjoy these moments and I try to do the same thing, John. When I'm there, I'm dad. I'm just excited to be around. I take off the coaching hat. And trust me, my wife yells way more at the games than I do. So as long as they're playing hard and having fun, I think we're having a great experience. What did you play as a kid? What do you remember playing? So same thing, small-town kid. And I got to do football, basketball, baseball. My dad's biggest love and passion was baseball. And he always wanted us to do that. My brother, older brother, did that kind of, he gravitated there and played at a small town college. And I kind of gravitated more towards football always. It was just fun to me. And got getting a chance to play offense, play defense, do a bunch of different things. And, you know, when you're a small town kid, the town, you know, really values the high school sports. And, you know, as I graduated a class of 27 kids, so there was nine senior boys, right? The, the teams, you had to keep playing just so we had teams. So I enjoyed every phase of it, not specializing, and had a great kind of well-rounded experience. That's interesting. So there's only 27 uh, kids. Like you, they, Did you have classmates who say, hey, we need you to come out for basketball? We need you to come out for cross-country or whatever it was? Absolutely. I mean, it was like recruiting the hallways 101. There was coaches in there being like, hey, you're a big kid. You got to get out. And it was more of a basketball school at that time when I got there. Uh, so the football program was a little bit down. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, like I said, you never came off the field. You know, I think I was punter, uh, ran down on kickoff. I played quarterback, safety. I mean, it's just one of those things where get out there. You had a lot of fun. Wasn't always successful uh, in a bunch of different realms, but uh just love the process of doing that, and you know I think it's kind of shaped me into who I am today. Jake Dickert with us, Washington State football coach. Um, everyone expected at the end of the season the portal opened, and I think a lot of people expected Oregon State, Washington State would get hit. They're a different case, I think, with the coach leaving and making a transition. But 
you've managed to maintain and hold on to and retain a bunch of your roster. And, you know, I'm curious kind of what went into that. And, and uh, you know, were you concerned as that portal date approached? Well, I think in today's world, I think everyone has a little bit of concern, especially guys that are, you know, tremendously successful. You know, and it's part of today's world that you got to navigate. But the credit I really give to is the players, right? I think consistency still does matter, and I think that's maybe what we proved this year. All 10 full-time assistant coaches are still here. Uh, obviously, head coach is still here. And then the players just buy into what we're doing. And now going into year three, you know, I just think everything's established. Your culture's established. Your expectations are established. And, guys, hopefully we create an environment that they want to be a part of. And hopefully that's what it says more than anything. I told our coaching staff, do not take this lightly. They're sending us a big message that we're doing things right. We not always get the results maybe we wanted to last season, and there's a lot to talk about in that direction. But off the field stuff and the relationship pieces and the environment that we're creating for our players, obviously we're doing something right because they stay they want to stay and be a part of it. So, like I said, I I don't take that lightly. I think it's a huge accomplishment. There's a lot of work, and it doesn't just happen at the end of a season. It is a body of work through a long period of time to show consistency and. When a player is comfortable, that's when they're going to be allowed to be the, their best self, and I think that's the environment that we try to create. Do you ever get a, you know, is there a, uh, I guess, I don't want to say spider senses or tingling, but it, what are the markers when you have to worry about a kid? You know, I know basketball coaches have said, you know, anytime money gets involved, it's about money. Do you have those conversations where is there something a kid might bring to you where you know, hey, we might be in a little trouble here, or how does that unfold kid by kid? Try to really, John, be really open about it, just saying, hey, let's be open to talking about things. And every kid's situation is different. You know, I tell our players I try to be an individual contractor for you and your success. And all that means is they got 120 guys but I try not to treat any of them the same because they're all different, different backgrounds, motivated differently, different goals, dreams, and aspirations. And the more you treat them individually, the more they're willing to come in and, and let's talk about a variety of different things. And that could be from family to school to relationships to obviously opportunities now that college athletics have created. So try to make sure they understand that and talk openly about it, understand the challenges and the realities that they face. Uh, because, you know, we can talk about tampering or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's just part of it now a little bit. And I think the more you can be proactive instead of reactive is a positive thing. But also, I mean, you can see some, we had some conversations with some guys like, hey, you know, you've been, you haven't been as engaged in the team. You know, your energy's been down. You know, talk to me, what's happening? And, uh, you know, some of those guys, you know, say they're leaving and other guys we, we corrected and find solutions and, and keep on going. The, um, you know, I looked at the signing day in December, 23 high school signees, I think, on that signing day. You took a definite approach and strategy there. What's the strategy about? Well, I just think at the end of the day, we will always be a developmental program here at Washington State. And I'm just really proud now. We've talked about year three, and we're finally getting to that and getting our roster stable. And the only way to do that is through high school recruiting, especially in the Pacific Northwest. So you can talk about all the outside noise and why that's valuable to do that. But at the end of the day, if we want to develop the right time of players, take a bunch of three-star, two-stars and invest in them and then reap those rewards 
you know, as sophomores, juniors, seniors, you got to invest in local high school players and be willing to go through the lumps and the highs and lows of developing players within your program. And I've said this maybe even on your show, John, we want to put people in the slow cooker. We live in a microwave society. They want instant access, instant success, uh, instant opportunity. Well, life doesn't work that way. You got to put in the time. You got to develop. We got to find specific traits that we love, and then we're willing to develop the deficiencies, right? So there's a specific plan, a specific idea of how we want to utilize every person within our program, and that's utilizing walk-ons all the way to our all-conference players and creating an individual plan for their success. Because when players are individually their best, that's how we become the best collective team. And it starts with recruiting high school players that have buy-in and finding the right guy, not the best guy. Meaning better be blue-collar, better love the game, better be in it for the right reasons, because that's what Washington State is. And I think we got to try to know who we are better than everybody else around us. And there's a unique challenge to that. There's a you got to dive deeper and you got to get off just surface level conversations and really find out about people, and that's why we continue to invest in the high school athlete and kind of infiltrate our roster of you know some needs through the transfer portal. I talked to a lot of parents who have high school seniors and they were concerned as the uh, signing day approached because there were fewer scholarships available with a lot of the schools going full throttle on transfers and trying to get older and. Did you see better players available to you? Did you did you see sort of that that bottleneck of hey there's a there's a pool of talent here at the high school level that is that is rich and deep? Yeah, I think you see a lot of programs with a variety of different strategies. I know one of ours and maybe it's a little bit different is I still love senior tape evaluation. I think people maybe aren't as patient, but man, that junior to senior year jump is still there and I learned that from Craig Bull at Wyoming and North Dakota State that man, let's really evaluate some of these senior tape and really get it right instead of being in a hurry to fill a class. And yes, some of the best juniors are also the best seniors. I get that, but there is still a lot of development to be had. So to be patient throughout the process, even within the season, which causes you know sometimes a lot of stress because coaches are coaches and we got a lot of things to do but still be in development, you know, just along that process and be detailed to going out and finding those guys as well. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I am concerned, John, for the high school athletes. Uh, we saw, you know, we have seven mid-years en- enrollees here. I think that's going to become more prevalent mm-hmm. to add value to the high school athlete. I think they're in talks of looking at hopefully moving the signing day up. I think that will help the high school athlete. Uh, so, I think there's a bunch of things that are in play, and as we continue to work through and figure out the college calendar, I, I think uh, you know we got to make sure we still have an eye on what's best for you know the high school athlete coming out. The Cougar Collective, you know, I think you've talked before about the support that you need and you know what you need to retain players. How, did did the fan base respond to that? Did you see a spike in in more involvement from the Cougar Collective? Yeah, they did, and I think. My job sometimes is just to speak the truth. And we got tons of passion to be a Coug and want to be a part of it. But there is a real harsh reality of what it takes now. And as the game evolves, I think, you know, players and programs and fan bases and, you know, have to continue to evolve with it. And, you know, there, there's a lot of ways you could go on the, the NIL, NIL piece of it. But at the end of the day, it just needed to get out there that, 
you know, the realities of where we're at. And once again, all we got, all we need is kind of our mantra here. And it's not looking, you know, outside the fan base or outside our building. Like, what can we do? What is our Coug Nation best? And that was the challenge. And I think it'll always be the challenge as we continue to navigate what's next. Okay, My biggest point is I want to put all of our energy into not fighting the past but building the future. And I think that's the mentality that we're taking. And there's only one way to look. It's out the, it's out the windshield, and let's keep attacking. The, uh, you know, we've watched some coaches. You know, David Shaw comes to mind, Chris Peterson maybe, and Nick Saban certainly, who have, uh, and some other guys that have left college to go to the NFL. The idea being that this is not the same job that it was years ago. What, you know, what's your take on coaches who are either opting out and saying, I've had enough, or, or maybe going to the NFL where at least there's a collective bargaining agreement? Well, I think there's a lot of things that are challenging facing our game today. And, I, and John, that could be a long conversation of different things, but I think every individual is different. You know, I've only been sitting in this chair now being a head coach for a certain period of time, uh, but I think the the workload on coaches is stacking up and it's now obviously it always was 365, but I think it's really 365 as far as the recruitment, the retainment, uh, the fundraising you have to do both in the facility and NIL side. I mean, I think there's a lot of different things that people, one thing I miss John is coaching ball sometimes, <laughs> right? And I understand the hats that we have to wear as a head coach and a mentor and, a lot of things that we need to do for still player development and all those different type of things. One thing I think you'll see more of is guys probably getting out earlier, and that isn't just going to the NFL, but, you know, the Coach Sabins of the world and Coach Paternos and people that work way into, you know, I know this, I'm, I'm 40, John, and I can see myself doing this for another 10 years and probably taking a break because it is investing everything of every ounce of what you got into trying to be successful. And I think that's what our players deserve and our program deserves. But there's also only so long that you can do that. And I talk a lot about the health of our staff and the recovery of our staff because some of those things are very important as well. So there's a lot of things at play, and I believe that's a really individual decision as far as how everyone perceives the new college landscape. I also, you know, I'm left thinking about something you've talked about a lot, and it's, you know, we all get into sports as kids uh, for the love of the game or the joy or the fun we're having or maybe being around a bunch of other healthy kids that are positive influences. And then at some point, it feels like in today's world, it becomes transactional. What's, what, do you, mm. what do you tell your guys on that front? I think the biggest thing, and I've been on this especially the last couple of years, you know, now being at the Power Five for a, you know, a certain amount of time and then obviously being the head coach now, to me, there's two buckets. There's people that really play football for the love and the passion and the camaraderie and the in intrinsic values that you get from the game and the life lessons you get from it. That's in the love bucket, right? And then there's this other bucket that's transactional. And to your point, you know, I tell people I think sometimes it's an adult problem, right? When the kid is 10, 12 years old or 15, we're telling them you're just going to go play in the NFL or you have to get a scholarship, or, you know, there's only this means to an end. Uh, depending on where you're putting all your, all your eggs, what buckets you want to put it into, that's the type of experience you will get. But the transactional bucket to me is a weight on young people. It is. Uh, I tell them when they sit down in the one-on-ones, 
Don't worry about playing in the NFL. Let's worry about getting you on the field in the Pac-12. Then we'll have the appropriate conversations at the right time. Because what the transactional deal does is it takes away the joy. I tell our guys all the time, I never say, let's go work football. Okay, I say, let's go play football, right? And that's where you got to understand the love and the passion and the roots of what makes this game the best in the world. So don't forget that. And do I think there should be intersection of those two at some point? Potentially. But at the end of the day, we're still don't lose why this game is so special and just trying to get that in their mind, you know, to let them really understand you have to control your environment. And I think that is one of the biggest things we try to teach our guys. You know, there's a lot of people reaching out and saying, Hey, there's better things over here or they're impatient in certain avenues and they don't let them go through a developmental process. So there's a lot of things that are happening in a young person's world today that I think it is our job to equip them and educate them uh, so they can make informed decisions. Love that. Uh, Jake Dickert with us, uh, Washington State coach. Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, you're a defensive guy. Um, what do you break this? Handicap the game for us. Break it down for us. What do you see, Chiefs Niners? Well, I'm disappointed my Packers didn't have that opportunity to upset the Niners. But <laughs> the Niners just remind you of that good old fashioned team that finds a way. Uh, and I just. I don't know how you go against the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and their experience, and they've been there. I just think there is a winning attitude and culture that they have there that no matter what situation and circumstances they have, they're going to find a way. So I'm going to go 27-24 Chiefs. Boo. Boo. Come on. I'm a Niners fan. But, but what does it say? Let me Bear with me here. The Niners, I usually believe that if you don't play well in the playoffs, you lose. Are they that Correct. good that they can play like a – C plus C minus game, and you know, play a half a game against the Lions and still win. Or yeah. what happened there? I would say this: it'll always catch up to you. And if you play C plus against the Chiefs, they're going to beat you. Yeah. The Packers, we're still rebuilding, and I say we. I'm a, I'm a, a paper stockholder of the Packers. <laughs> uh, Detroit Lions, they haven't been there as much, and they and they didn't close. You're going to have to close out the Chiefs, and uh, I think they'll bring their A game. I just I just think it'll be one heck of a game. So it's Jake Dickert, owner, Green Bay Packers, <laughs> from now on. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, it's, it's quite the scheme. They allow you to pay 100 bucks just to get a piece of paper so they can build new facilities. It's incredible. <laughs> well, and you're the onto something there. It. It's, an awesome, it's an awesome scheme. Cougar Collective. Come on, get, it, get with it. Own a part <laughs> of the right. stadium. Um, That's right. All right, Coach, thank you for giving us your time. I uh, wish you the best. We'll check in with you again. Uh, you know, Nice job on the – on the recruiting class and the retention, feels like you got some momentum as you head into the off season here in the in the summer. Yeah, a lot of excitement. We're excited to get back to the spring ball here pretty soon, and I appreciate it, John. Go Cougs! Love that owner of the Green Bay Packers, one of our former engineers right here at the radio station, is also an owner of the Packers. I wonder if Jake Tickert will be in the owner's box next season for the Packers. In all seriousness, he's got an angle. He has a definite recruiting strategy. Really, really impressed that Washington State was able to hold together the roster with the retention that they did. Um, it kind of gives you hope if you're Oregon State looking over and going, look, you know, Jonathan Smith leaving obviously I think hurt Oregon State far more than Washington State. But it'll be interesting to see next season as these two programs move on and move towards uh, competing next season, Mountain West Conference schedule, 6-7 games. 
and then into the great unknown as they try to figure out what's going to happen in the landscape of college sports. All right, you got the bald face truth statewide right here on the BFT Radio Network. We got a great show for you today. Mike Walter, former 49ers linebacker, coming up top of the hour. JJ Burden, former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver, in hour three. Leave it here. I like to keep politics out of this show. I don't like to talk politics. You're not coming here to get politics or advice on your tax return. Uh, you're coming here because uh, you probably enjoy listening to the show or you're a sports fan or uh, maybe uh, you, I'm just here to keep you company on your drive or your run or in the gym or whatever it may be. Um I uh, appreciate that you're here, but uh, I'm not going to bring politics into this, but I am going to give equal time on today's show to the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. I am going to play impartial. Uh, We will have former 49er, three-time Super Bowl champion Mike Walter on the show at 4 o'clock, 11 minutes from now. Make an appointment. If you know a Niner fan who would appreciate hearing Mike Walter, former Oregon Duck, the pride of Sheldon High School. He'll be on the show. If you want to uh, hear that interview, stick around and text a friend right now. Not if you're driving, but text a friend. Let them know, hey, tune in, 750 The Game in Portland, Fox Sports Eugene and Eugene, 960 a.m. in Klamath Falls, 1490 a.m. in Roseburg, Um, you know, wherever you may be. Uh, Mike Walter coming up, 4 o'clock. J.J. Burden, former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver, will be joining us in the 5 o'clock hour. I texted J.J. today, and I said, hey, just a reminder, we're going to be calling you around 5.20. J.J. Uh, hit me back with Go Chiefs. Now, I said to J.J., equal time. Like Mike Walter, J.J. Burden, that's how we're going to do it. Uh, later this week, we will be, uh, we've got a number of big guests coming down the pipeline. Uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, likely, later this week. Um, he and I have been exchanging messages, trying to work out a time for him. I'd love to get him on the show to talk about what's going on in college athletics. Of course, it's an important time. Uh, just to summarize a little bit of news, we got some uh, NFL news today with uh, the Chiefs and the 49ers talking to media. Andy Reid talking about his possible retirement, says it's not today. <laughs> we'll hear a bunch of that sound coming up. We'll break it down, tell you what it means. Uh, also, uh, um, Jim Harbaugh doing his introductory news conference with the Bolts, with the Superchargers down in Los Angeles. Uh, Jim Harbaugh to the Chargers is interesting. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that with Mike Walter and with J.J. Burden because they know as a player how important it is continuity to have the same head coach. And I, I just find it insane, almost insane, that Justin Herbert went through three college coaches in his time at Oregon, and now has his third full-time head coach in the NFL. Six coaches since 2016. Think about that, how ridiculous that is for Justin Herbert, trying to get any kind of continuity, trying to get any kind of momentum. Really kind of silly, if you think about it. But I'll talk about that with those two guys coming up. Uh, In the meantime, we have our big splash. It's the one thing that you need to know. The one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. The Big Splash. Brought to you by Killer Burger, home of the peanut butter pickled bacon burger, and voted best burger five years in a row. 
Killer Burger, the burgers your mama warned you about. Well, the city of Hillsboro in the Portland Portland hop, the Hillsboro Hops are trying to build a new ballpark. They're trying to meet minor league, major league baseball's new facility standards. They're talking about a six thousand seat stadium in Hillsboro. Got a big uh, got a big vote in the uh, in the big win for the Hops today as the uh, the Washington County's commissioners approved $8 million from Washington County for a new city-owned ballpark that will help the Hops meet Major League Baseball's facility requirements for minor league baseball. This now uh, puts the attention on the state legislature. Uh, Following today's vote, the remaining piece for the new city-owned ballpark is a $15 million commitment from the Oregon State Legislature. This is... uh, they're in the middle of their February led legislative session. It will include. It will uh, conclude just days prior to the March fifteenth deadline imposed by Major League Baseball. Basically, um, if the project goes unfunded, the team leaves Hillsboro after the twenty twenty four season, and the Portland region would forfeit. Um, they would forfeit. Uh, uh, you know, the ability to have a team. And they'd forfeit about $190 million in economic activity that's generated from the construction of the park, $64 million in economic activity for the stadium's first decade of operation, 380 jobs, $30 million in state and local income tax. Just makes sense. Washington County gets it, maybe in a way that some other counties should pay attention to. Washington County gets it in maybe the way some other cities should pay attention to. But a big win for the Hillsboro Hops. They're getting $8 million bucks from Washington County to help with that new ballpark project in Hillsboro. Um, and uh, now the Oregon State Legislature is up to bat. All right, coming up, Mike Walter, former 49er linebacker, three times. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.